Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical. Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi there, it's October 31st, 2022, and uh, this is a special report from True Crime This Week. This morning, police in Delphi, Indiana, announced the arrest of Richard Allen for the murders of Abby Williams and Libby German. There's a lot to unpack here, not the least of which is that this case, I believe, will serve as a record of everything you shouldn't do in a murder investigation in the social media age. And I just don't mean the police. Stay with me. This is True Crime This Week. I'll be right back. Yes. Super excited. We are all pumped to have James Renner. James Renner. James Renner has zeroed in. James Renner once again drops a bombshell. Investigative journalist reporter. James Renner, who's been on the podcast a long time, friend of mine. By a local writer, James Renner. James Renner. James Renner. Right now, please, for your host, Let me just begin by saying, y'all have lost your damn minds. Uh, that's kind of the point of the episode, but we'll get there. First, a little background. I was familiar with the Delphi's murders case for, well, it's pretty much since the beginning. Now, I first heard about it. Uh, shortly before I met Kelsey German, and I met her at a crime con several years ago. She came up, told me her story, uh, told me about her sister, and then a couple weeks after that, I drove out to Delphi with one of these 360-degree cameras, and I filmed a series called Virtually a Detective, and I used, essentially, it's virtual reality. You can watch it on your Oculus if you have it, but you don't need that. You can just go to YouTube and watch it there, and it allows you to click the screen and drag it so you can see whatever you want. So when I'm at the High Bridge or underneath, you can look around at the area, get a sense of the scale. You can look at the people I'm interviewing or, the, or you can look at me or anything in the background. So it's kind of a cool bit of technology I wanted to try out. It worked really well. When I was out there, a couple things of note. You, you see these pictures of High Bridge where Abby and Libby met up with this person that was in that Snapchat video. But you don't get a sense of the scale until you actually go there. It's a very dangerous, rickety old bridge, and it's so high, if you were to fall off of it, you'd, you'd absolutely be dead. Uh, I, my body would not physically allow me to get onto the bridge. It just wouldn't. I, I tried, and I was shaking, never experienced anything like that, couldn't get on there. So I knew from the very beginning who, whoever was with the girls that day would, had walked that bridge before, was familiar with it. Uh, another thing of note, the families at the time were, uh, people were lighting, putting orange light bulbs in their lights on their front porch to let people know that the murders were still unsolved, that they were still looking for the killer. I like that idea so much, it inspired 
the name of the nonprofit that I started, the Porchlight Project. So that's where it came from. Now, after, and but not because of my virtual series, but after that is, is when the case really blew up. And you started to have all these Facebook pages and subreddits dedicated to this. And, but I knew at the time that it was going to be big. I just didn't quite understand how big. I knew it would be big because of several parts of this. It's a very strange case. The circumstances, these girls meeting up on this bridge and then you know, being found dead. The Snapchat video makes it unique. And then there's the complete lack of information from police. We still don't even know how the girls died. We don't know how they were murdered. I can't think of another case like that. It's a small town. All these things come together to make this perfect storm of, of mystery. So I always knew this case would be big. Didn't quite expect it to get this big. Slowly, the mystery and its fans grew over the years to include, like I said, Facebook pages and subreddits full of rumors and speculation. I've only seen this in a couple other cases. The Moore Murray case, of course, John Bonet, the big cases like that. But the chatter online took, took on a new urgency earlier this year. And there were a couple things that led up to that. The main part being um, when the podcast The Murder Sheet revealed court documents that showed Delphi police had questioned Kagan Klein about the murders. Now, this was, this was huge. Now, and The Murder Sheet, it's a, it's a podcast hosted by journalist Anya Kane and lawyer Kevin Greenlee. And if you haven't given them a listen, I, I, I hope you do. They do an excellent job. You see real journalism on display. There's so many podcasters that talked about the Delphi case without doing a, a shred of research. These people dug in and they found new documents and I believe built momentum that led to this arrest last week. So what we learned from those documents that the murder she got was this creepy dude Kagan Klein had been catfishing underage girls on social media using the screen name or the, the username Anthony Schatz and he used these pictures of this young male model and what he was doing is um, tricking them to think it was him and, at, and then soliciting nudes from these underage girls. That account, Anthony Schatz, uh, according to published reports, was interacting with Libby German the day she and Abby were killed. So already I can hear your questions. Stay with me. In those transcripts, Kagan says he gave the password to the Anthony Schatz account to, quote, a lot of people including his father. Now, that may be the key phrase here in all of this, that he shared this account and password with a lot of people. Now, that's a very private thing to share. If you're out there committing these horrible acts about the worst thing you can be doing, trolling for underage girls, if you're doing that, who do you trust enough to share that information with? What's their purpose? How did he meet these other people? Are we, at the end of the day, are we dealing with some sort of pedo ring here? Is that what we're ultimately going to find out? Now, you hear about that a lot on SVU and 
these crime shows, but it almost never happens in real life. It's one of those things that usually only happens in TV and film, but I think we're, we, it's a possibility that we're getting close to something like that here. Just a couple weeks ago, police were seen dredging the river. There's another piece of the story that Anya Kane and, and Kevin Greenlee broke. Um, the, the police were dredging the river near where Kagan Klein lived uh, around Peru, Indiana. Remember that, Peru, Indiana. Kagan Klein was from there, from Peru, Indiana. Now, Kagan is still in jail awaiting trial on 30 counts of child pornography. Fast forward to last Friday when Delphi police announced an arrest and this name leaked out of Richard Allen. And this guy was on nobody's radar except, you know, possibly the police. They might have already interviewed him at some point. Um, but on the subreddits and these Facebook pages, he was not somebody that had come up. Although there is rumor out there, and I've seen screenshots, it's unsubstantiated, that somebody might have been mentioning Richard on 4chan a couple years ago. That's not confirmed yet. At a press conference at 10 a.m. this morning, October 31st, 2022, police confirmed some details that, uh, yes, they did arrest Richard Allen last week. He's a 50-year-old man living in Delphi. He's a CVS employee, worked at the CVS in town, and he's charged with two counts of murder, and he will not be getting bonded out while he's awaiting trial. Trial set for March, but that's not at all set in stone. It could be, I want you to prepare yourself, it could be years before this trial actually occurs. Hopefully not that long, but uh, you never know. Um, I've seen these, I've seen similar cases take three to five years to go to trial. Now, um, the police have sealed the charging document, which would have discussed what they found as far as probable cause to initiate the arrest. Um, that's a rare move. Hardly ever happens. This is when you start to release documents to the public usually, but they're still trying to keep it close. Uh, now, interesting thing about Richard Allen, he previously lived or worked in Peru, Indiana, where Kagan Klein is from. So, those are the facts that we know, but I want to talk to you about things that are beyond this because... Um, Things have, have quite gotten out of hand, especially in the last couple days. As soon as we got the name Richard Allen online, sleuths couldn't wait for the police to release his booking photo, what we call a mugshot. So they dove into his family and friends' Facebook pages and started sharing pictures of his wife, who is, as far as we know, 99.9% .9 chance of having nothing to do with any of this, probably didn't know anything about this they were they were sharing pictures of of his wife and then they started sharing pictures of his daughter and re, their their reasoning was that the daughter was photographed on the Monon High Bridge just like most of the other kids in that town it's a, it's a very popular attraction there uh, within 24 hours of his name being released the wife and the children had uh, taken down their Facebook pages, social media profiles. They are currently in hiding. 
Uh, and the CVS employees that he worked with are, are, are getting these messages too, and they've been told not to talk to anybody. So immediately we're, we're creating more victims here by going after, so please stop. Stop posting things about the family. Now, I also wanna point out the, the ironic thing here, which is that those of you that are going out and stalking his family and posting those pictures and saving them to your computer and going over them in detail and coveting them and then going on Facebook and go check out any story about about Richard Allen and you will find comments on the Facebook pages about how he should just be released into Gen Pop for 10 hours, meaning let him in with the regular prisoners so they can kill him. Mind you, he hasn't had a trial yet. And, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty, although it does sound like the police have a solid case. And uh, I'm very optimistic at this point, but they're stalking and they're wishing him dead. These are the same behaviors <laughs> that led to Richard Allen being arrested and charged with these murders. Stop being like this creep. You can't out-creep that creep. Please stop. Show that we can do better. Um, now, no matter what, from here on out, this case is and will continue to be an absolute cluster cuss, as they say on Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, but here I have a couple ideas, if anybody would just listen, that might make it a little better. First of all, uh, I gave this advice to the mother of Gina de Jesus uh, the, when the girls from the young women escaped from Ariel Castro's house in Cleveland all those years ago. I'd written about it as a reporter. I knew the family. I drove up there talked to Gina de Jesus's mother. I gave her this information. I probably wasn't the only one, but they did ultimately end up doing this and it helped. And I hope the families of Abby and Libby do the same because I think it's very helpful. And any other family in this situation, high stress, high media profile could benefit from doing this. Go out and find a PR firm, PR lawyer that specializes in crisis management. Um, they will do this pro bono, I am sure. Uh, you're close enough to Chicago. Indianapolis likely has some. Toledo has some. Somebody close by wants to help you out. I'd be making phone calls. The family should be speaking at this point and from here on out till the end of the trial with one voice. And that voice should be a professional PR or lawyer. Um, it'll save you from uh, being you know, charged in civil court with anything if you accidentally say the wrong thing. Also, you need somebody like that to filter and vet all the requests that surely you'll be getting if, you ha if they haven't started already for movie and TV rights. And I know that sounds like the last thing they wanna be thinking about right now is making money off this story. That's not what I'm talking about. These groups will do the TV documentaries. They will do the shows. They will do the movies with or without the family's approval. But if they get the lawyer, if they get the PR firm involved, very early on, they can set the terms and hopefully set the tone and the information involved in those pieces. <coughs> the media covering this case is doing their job, and it's an important job, but they could be doing it 
a little differently. And I've proposed this in every big case that's come up before. I did an episode on the philosophy of crime on the first season called How the Media Should Cover Crime, and it went over this. At this point, there's no danger to the community as far as we know. The police believe they have their guy, and we, at, and we should give them that trust at this point until they bring it to trial and, and court, and they, everybody has their say. So there's no danger here. There's no reason why all these different news media outlets, TV stations, and newspapers should be competing against each other for all the little salacious details. What I'd love to see done here, which wasn't done in Cleveland with the women who escaped from Ariel Castro, you guys pull your resources. Um, all your major outlets should work together, have one reporter, one camera, go in, ask the questions, document what's going on, and then share it across the spectrum. With just these big cases, you know, these once in, once in 10 years cases, you can afford to do this. And that will cut down on the media presence in town and bring that level of hostility way down. So try, nobody's gonna do this, but I wish they would. Um, what doesn't help is when other social media influencers are jumping in and trying to point the fingers at um, um, who you should dislike, who you should hate in this moment. There's no room for any more hate in this case, please. Um, last, uh, just a couple days ago, over the weekend, Sarah Turney, uh, who um, is a social media influencer. She weighed in on social media and she is soliciting anonymous contents from locals. Here's the quote that went on on uh, Twitter. Quote, if you live in Delphi and feel that you've been impacted by the media creators in the true crime community, I'd love to speak to you. Sarah, uh, anybody that follows her knows that she's been on the warpath against uh, media in general, journalists specifically covering true crime. Now, I'm not sure at this point, the Sarah attorney actually knows what media is or what a journalist is. Perhaps she's gotten the podcast friends of hers mixed up in her mind with what a journalist or a media person is. I, I understand those definitions are slippery when you have anybody with a microphone that they can get at Walmart for 100 bucks calling themselves a podcaster. And in our minds, we think podcaster journalist. That's not true. Most of the people that are running true crime podcasts are entertainers. They started as entertainers. They did not go to journalism school. They have no background. They thought it'd be fun. And God bless them. They're, they're doing their thing. But don't mix them up with actual journalists. Uh, the journalists here are not the ones leaving the awful comments and threats on these local Facebook pages on subreddit, they're not the enemy. But what this does by trying to say in the middle of this crazy episode that the media are the enemy for some reason and you need to gather information on them, um, it's, it's continuing this weird MAGA conservative illusion that the press is evil, that there's a liberal media and they cannot be trusted. And that goes beyond just words now. And, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you could get away with that uh, and pretend it's, it's covered under the First Amendment, but you can't do that anymore because those words are dangerous, especially if you have a following. Sarah Turney has over a hundred, uh, I'm sorry, over a million followers on TikTok. Many of them are, are creepy fans of these true crime victims. Sarah Turney herself, 
as if you know the story, very sad, victim herself. Um, now, there are people out there that latch on to those people and, 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 and love the attention they get by saying, hey, we got your back type of thing. What you do is you create an army of these social media warriors, and all you have to do is point the finger at somebody, and they go and attack them. Um, as a journalist myself, I was made a target uh, for covering a very different unsolved mystery, another case you would have heard of. Their little foot soldiers, <laughs> their goons, went as far as tracking down my family in the Outer Banks, leaving threatening messages outside my daughter's window. So last week, you know, you saw the story about a crazy guy who broke into Nancy Pelosi's house and attacked her husband. Why did he do it? Because of these conspiracies that he read about the liberal media protecting Nancy, which are not true. This, these are journalists trying to do their job. You're, 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 what you should be going after are these anonymous crazy people who then take facts and turn them to their agenda so they can go attack somebody. Um, these, the real threat, again, you know, are these armchair sleuths, many with middle school educations and AR-15s in their closet who are looking for any opportunity to play hero. Please don't give them a reason to pick that up. Further advice, here's an advice to who? To Richard Allen's family. First of all, I wanna say sorry for the way you've been treated so far. Uh, it is uh, unimaginable, uh, unimaginable, um, and and terrible. Um, and I have one piece of advice that might help you. People are publishing your family photos online. You might not be. You probably don't have a, a defamation case because at this point you're not going to be able to prove damages yet. But copyright is your friend. Copyright law is your friend. If you see a picture of yourself, if, if you're the wife, if you're the daughter, if you see a picture of a family member, that is your photo taken by you or somebody you know. You go to that page, whether it's Facebook, you report it, or Twitter, you report it, or the specific websites of these news shows, you report it to the managing editor, you report it to their lawyer, and you initiate what's called a DMCM uh, takedown notice. You claim that copyright and you say you did not give them permission to publish that and they must take it down. So do that. <laughs> That's how you get them. Uh, the, the law here doesn't care about your feelings. It cares about money and you get them with the copyright. Um, finally, uh, if police and prosecutors at all are listening, you, um, by keeping that charging document with about the probable cause secret, it will only continue to compound this awful circus that is happening. I think it is in everybody's best interest that you just unlock what you got at this point and put it all out there. If, if, it, if you throw it out there, it's gonna be a rough couple days, but then it's gonna die down, then it's gonna go away. If you keep these things secret, it fans the flames with these insane people on social media, which is what's causing all the strife out there in Delphi at the moment. So please, no more secrets. And uh, that's, that's me on my soapbox. I'm gonna get down. I hope you learned a little bit about the case um, and how to responsibly 
react to crime news in the social media age. Uh, I do, I'm not perfect. I've made the mistakes in the past. I've learned from them, I think. And I am sharing all, these, all this advice with you. Hopefully that we can make this a little better. So thanks for listening. This is True Crime This Week with James Renner. I'm back with new episodes every Friday morning. Um, tune in. And good luck out there in Delphi. True Crime This Week is a Fearful Symmetry production. Photo and artwork are licensed through Shutterstock. If you like the cut of my jib, I have another podcast you might enjoy called The Philosophy of Crime, in which I attempt to solve the big questions behind our true crime obsession by looking to philosophy for answers. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Sit, Brownie, sit. Good dog. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.